Hi guys, I hope you guys are doing well. This is our third episode of the EJ Cast. Uh, I am your host, Jacob Berlaga. And I'm your co-host, Aaron Berlaga. We are super excited about this episode. We've been thinking about it for a few days now, and we're glad that we can record it now on a Sunday night, the 31st. We're going to be talking about a few different things. We're going to be talking about the uh, GameStop stock market situation. Uh, which was just insane from what I read and from what I listened to by other guys and what I read on the Wall Street Journal. Um, also, we're going to be talking about the fact that Aaron and I had COVID this week. Yep, it was pretty. It it wasn't as bad as the media says, but it was pretty pretty bad. That's a really great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, it was not. Yeah, it definitely was not. I think as, the worst part was just being isolated so long. Yeah, it wasn't. It was more worse than I thought. But it wasn't as bad as what people say. Exactly. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll just talk about our experience with that a little bit. Just some thoughts. And then to kind of piggyback off that idea, we're going to be discussing um, some different controversial um, thoughts and issues surrounding the vaccine and everything with Moderna and Pfizer. And we've got a, a couple of reputable sources to, to um, kind of enter in on the conversation of that. So, and then we're going to change it up a little bit at the end here, and we've got a special su- surprise for you guys, mm-hmm. so stay tuned for that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to get right to it with the GameStop stock market situation. Uh, this past week, we saw something crazy happen in the stock market. GameStop, which is sort of a dying retail company, had a huge market surge, according to a Wall Street Journal article. I had been to GameStop growing up in the 2000s and 2010s. They were huge until games became easily downloadable, kind of from anywhere. All you had to do was to go on your PlayStation or Xbox server and download it from there. Uh, Many people would tell you that GameStop is a dying store, kind of like Borders books were. So what happened was that a group of people essentially got together on like a Reddit forum and they said that, you know what, we should all go buy this one stock. You know, we should all go buy um, this stock. And... We want that price to go up, so if we all go buy it, the price will go up. Um, thus, the video game retailer GameStop was literally at a stock price of $18.84 um, last week. This is seven days ago. Uh, now, if you go look on Robinhood now, the stock price is around 340 bucks. Yeah, I know. It's, wow. Yeah, it's literally crazy. Um, this is so because the amateur investors decided to buy a ton of stock. The thing is that there are people who partake in things like hedge funds, which I literally had no idea like what that was. And a hedge fund is something that people do to, well, the word hedge just means like to protect. And a fund is just a pool of money. It's just a, a thing people use to store money. However, people started uh, betting on the success and the losses of companies. And the people use these hedge funds to do that. So I shouldn't say they started to. Supposedly, like from what I heard, I heard one person say uh, this week that people have been betting on the stock market, have been betting like hedge funds since um, the Great Depression. And people would literally like take loans out and invest all that money. And and that's what people did in the Great Depression, basically trying to get out of their situation. Mm -hmm. And then when everything dropped, so many people were obviously jobless and they had no money. But to get back on track, um, hedge funds, they essentially take money from clients, whether from big companies or whatever size company, pension funds from wealthy people who uh, take these huge risks, and they put all this money to the stock market. Hedge funds, I guess you can just say, are really heavy risks. 
So there can be a huge return on investment or there can be a huge catastrophic loss. They can take these huge risks because the market really isn't a, as regulated when it comes to these funds as opposed to stock trading or normal working for normal working people. So basically hedge funds are not they're not regulated. So you'll have these huge billionaire investors just throw tons of money at a certain stock in the market. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of puts the little guy at a disadvantage. It, it definitely, without it, without a doubt. And that's why this whole story is just huge. And that's why it gets even worse where you'll see, you'll see what happens, but you have to be certified to be investing in hedge funds actually, from my understanding. Um, they, these funds sort of take people's debt and put that back into the market. They take on leverage and debt and they put that money into the market to hopefully get a huge return. And this is a, this is like a there's a huge complicated thing behind this that I, I don't understand at all. Most people don't understand. But there's a bunch of nitty gritty things about hedge funds that are out there and how they're you know, like I said, they're really hard to get into because you have to be certified, but it takes a very long time to become certified and mm-hmm. it's not easy and you have to have the education to do that. Uh, but the the whole point is this. The wealthy elite, the oligarchs, the aristocrats are the ones who are investing in these hedge funds. Most of them bet against businesses such as GameStop and AMC who are kind of dying companies. Like even in my hometown, uh, the games, it, no, the GameStop is not in good condition. A few of them are, have already went out of business and the AMC movie theaters, which is an AMC 24 is out of business. So these are not these companies are pr- probably not in the best spot whatsoever. However, this past week, according to a Market Insider article, a total loss of nineteen billion dollars accrued uh, from these hedge hedge funds because all these people went out and bought uh, GameStop stock, and the stock uh, jumped dramatically. And the, did they just kind of plan? Hey, we want to make money off of this. So yeah, it was planned. Like people on Reddit forums were. Literally telling people, go buy this, go buy 50 shares of GameStop. Good grief. Wow. Yeah, go do things like that. Well, since it was so cheap, they could afford it. Exactly. And I, got, I read in a Wall Street Journal article that there was this dude who bought and resell, bought and resell, and he made like $3,000 in like a day. Wow. Yeah, and that happened to numerous people. Like they were buying and selling these things. And that was all over the weekend. Well, yeah, towards the end of the week. Yeah, so... Uh, it was during the regular work week, but uh, we'll see what happens about that tomorrow when this market opens up and whether more regulations come out. But um, the big problem, though, that is kind of concerning everyone is that a lot of these stock market middleman companies uh, and how they respond to this have not really been that good at all. Uh, these companies put holds on people, and, and these are companies like Robinhood, uh, like I use Robinhood, for example. Um, but they put holds on buying GameStop or AMC now because of what happened this past week because they don't want people to just go buy as much as they want. They don't want these people's hedge funds to be destroyed. Like to give you an example, I tried to buy an AMC stock today and I'm not sure if it's going to go through or not because there's all these regulations on it. And the thing is this, the big businesses are trying to put holds on the working class from investing since they completely spoiled the week for the hedge fund investors. This is a problem. Shouldn't these public companies allow anyone to buy uh, as much stock as they want, especially the working class? Like, don't you agree? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't we be allowed to invest in the smaller companies like GameStop and AMC instead of the gigantic corporations like Walmart? It's these two things I think that we kind of need to take away uh, with from what happened this past week. Everyone should have the ability to invest our hard, their hard-earned money into whatever market they want to. 
And we should be giving companies like GameStop uh, and AMC the chance to survive and become wealthier. Um, this is, I think this was a good thing to happen for everyone to go invest in these companies because they're not in good conditions. If all these people want to go put money in them to you know, help them, especially with what happened in 2020 with the uh, market collapse and mm -hmm. stuff, yeah. that's a good thing. And I don't think companies like Robinhood... It's little people standing for the small businesses. Exactly. I don't think companies like Robinhood should be... They're, they're like actively discriminating against these companies. When oh, they wow. say when they say people can't buy their stock, like wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Because like that's that's literally what's happening. You can't tell people, oh, only buy from these big corporations, because that's what they're saying when they say don't invest in these smaller company stocks. Hmm. And and as I heard one person say this week, Wall Street's kind of becoming like Little Street. The, this week, this week Wall Street became Little Street. Mm. That's that's literally what happened. Um, but anyway, that's kind of our first story. It's crazy. I think we all need to keep an eye on this. I think we should care about the uh, the small guy, the smaller companies that have a really hard time surviving, especially like GameStop, where GameStop's market kind of comes from selling like physical discs. And like I said, a lot of people, uh, a lot of companies like PlayStation and Xbox, they just download things on their servers. They don't need discs anymore. And GameStop is like, it's kind of a sort of, um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for, where the... They have to. They have to figure out a new marketing strategy because um, theirs is oh, becoming it's kind old of now. Outdated. Yeah, it's myopia. I think that's the word. Okay. Yeah. So. Well, I overheard one of your podcasts this week. Um, Tim Pool. Tim Pool, saying that he believes the little guy finally had the guts to stand up for himself against Wall Street this weekend, um, particularly because uh, Trump has left left office. Mm -hmm. And Trump was kind of the poster child of standing against the elite. Yeah, he was. But um, sadly, a lot of people didn't feel comfortable going out and supporting any of his policies at all mm -hmm. because they were just uncomfortable with the reputation they might have reflected upon them if they supported him in any way. Mm -hmm. So now that he's out of the picture, it's kind of like these massive groups of, of middle class yeah. working people have come out and said, we're not going to let Wall Street do this anymore. We're going to follow Trump's example um, and we're going to we're gonna put the fist to the elite. Is that kind of what happened? Yeah, I think so. This is an example of hardworking middle of America going against the corporate elites, the corporate establishment, and uh, doing something good. And the elites shut them down. And they said, you know what? You can't invest. You're not gonna, we're, we're not going to let you invest in AMC. We're not going to let you invest in GameStop because we don't want to destroy these... Um, the hedge funds. But the elites uh, didn't. I mean, you said it was not a victory for the elites. It, it was not, but at, well, the result of all this is more regulation. Oh. Which is not the thing that we need. Uh, in the sense, regulation in the sense that you can't go out and buy the stocks that have exploded over the past few days. Companies are actively discriminating and saying, you can't do this. That's crazy. Why would they say that? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to just keep finding out, but it's making a lot of people mad. I've seen people on the left and the right become upset. Like figures like AOC is actually mad at the situation. Figures wow. like Ben Shapiro are mad at the situation. So on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, so it, it's going to be a good thing because it's it's uh, a bipartisan issue. So maybe we can actually accomplish push some something. leverage back on Wall Street now. Yeah, we can accomplish something yeah. and it's creating some I would say more unity than there was before. Which is a good thing. In but, the economic market. Yeah, and okay. in just the political world. Well, that's great. But, yeah, now we can kind of just jump to the uh, COVID we had. Just talk about it a little bit. Well, this will be quick. Well, Jake um, was 
tested positive for it first last Sunday, I believe that yeah, was. Yeah, it was last Sunday, but and you had had a fever like Thursday, but it was it it went away in less than twelve hours, right? Yeah, it went away in less than twelve hours, but it honestly, it, I'm not gonna lie, it was a terrible fever. Um, I I sweated a lot. My body temperature was very very high. Um, I feel like I couldn't get up. I couldn't do much. I had no energy in me. Um, and, and I did have it for the 12 hours. I called out of work. I took a couple of days off. And uh, we ended up getting tested. Well, I ended up getting tested. And they said, okay, since you've already had symptoms for four days now, we'll just add X amount of days to the, your quarantine. So I didn't have to quarantine for a whole two weeks. That's nice. Yeah, they just told me to quarantine for 10 days. But the symptoms were bad. I think the worst one for sure was the smell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you experienced that too, right? I experienced that as well. This kind of led me to put more stock in the idea that this might be a manufactured virus. Because mm-hmm. um, I've never heard of any pathogen that naturally occurs that causes your um, your sense of smell to basically uh, smell like rotten meat. I mean, that's, that's the sensation we both experienced, right, Jake? You said it was either rotten meat or like, like month-old eggs or trash or something, just something just terrible. And whatever you smelled, whether it was a, a clean shirt you just put on or a clean towel, that smell came. I mean, you smelled that. You didn't. You couldn't smell anything but that terrible smell. Yeah, even like a clean bathrobe, new clothes, whether whatever room I walked into, and I, I realized that it wasn't. It wasn't just. Um, the things actually smelling that way because whether I went in my car it smelled like that mm-hmm. I actually had to go to work for a morning and I this was before I knew it was the coronavirus and um, the, all I could smell the whole time when I was wearing my mask was that yeah. dead meat smell which was horrible yeah, yeah. so then it made me think though like have I been sick before with uh, something that has affected my smell like this I have not. So I kind of resonate with Aaron about the manufactured reality of this. And I'm not saying that the the virus was... And I'm not saying that the virus was manufactured, but we can just get into things like that later. Um, yeah. He had the symptoms of it first, and he told me, he was like, my mask smelled like dead meat all day. I'm like, what? You're crazy. And then, like, a, probably 12 or 15 hours later, I was having the same symptoms. I was like, yep, yep dead meat smells like dead meat so um but i thought the interesting thing through my experience was uh i didn't have any respiratory issues yeah jake you you had some didn't you yeah i had some where i really have a hard time explaining it but i did feel like a heaviness in my chest like think if you went out and you uh ran really hard outside in the cold and you could feel the coldness in your chest and maybe some of the pressure from being outside yeah i know that feeling so it felt like that it felt like long? that. Not, I mean, it kind of came here and there. I wasn't paying a lot of attention to it, honestly. Yeah. It was kind of in the background because it but, wasn't my top symptom. But yeah, but I think our top symptom for both of us was just sheer exhaustion. I had so much fatigue. I, that definitely was the number one thing Aaron and I experienced because the first few days I slept, I mean, I slept 12, 13 hours a night. And then I'm talking two-hour naps during the day. But it kind of goes in and out. Like sometimes you would have large bursts of energy yeah. and then you'd be completely wiped like we went on a walk uh i think the third or fourth day and it was literally probably a 25 minute walk 
We came back and we both slept for like an hour and a half. I well no I like I slept I slept long I slept three hours uh, just walking twenty minutes and I you slept three hours also. I slept three hours and I'm normally like I I like to run I like to stay active I walk around at my job I walk a lot so you could just tell that a virus was having a big effect on my day to day activities like walking and uh, running so it was tough I'm glad I never that thought it's over. at any point that I was going to die though no no it was not, no fear like that but it. It did mess with you a little bit. It messed with me. I, like, I'm not... Yeah, it's definitely a real thing. For sure. Yeah, of course. I just... I... Like I said earlier, I don't I don't think that... Um, <laughs> that it's nearly even half as bad as the media makes it out to be. Yeah, that's and for sure. They use tools of fear that just uh, don't need to be... They, they just don't need to be um, emphasized as much as they are. Yeah. I mean, be responsible. I don't think masks are the obviously the best mode of that. Because I think it's more of a political statement, which we can get into. We'll get into a little those bit more later. Bit later. Yeah. However, it is a like I said, it's a real thing. We you should be careful. You should take care of yourself and uh, eat healthy and get sunshine. Get, get sunshine. If you're quarantined, try and go on walks. Yeah. If you have to wear a mask in the area, wear a mask. It's worth it. Go on a walk. It will help you a lot. Okay. Well, Aaron, I'm going to want to hear from you a little bit about mm-hmm. the uh, vaccines and the information you have on that. Um, I'm not as educated as you are when it comes to a lot of this stuff that we're about to get into, so I'm going to be relying on you to share a lot of that. So, yeah, all right. So, um, you can just break some like of this stuff down for I would like to start with a few simple definitions of things. Like, it's my concern that the common person doesn't really understand what a vaccine is to start off with. So um, I'm just going to give a a brief definition of that. And this is taken from um, the medical journal. And it's, so a vaccine is a, an injection of a pathogen and there's different ways that you can, um, manipulate that pathogen to make it um, viable to be able to be put in an injection to turn it into a vaccine. Uh, one way is you can weaken the virus. Another way is you can um, you can kind of kill it. Now there's a, a controversy around whether or not vaccines are alive or dead and that's based upon... Oh, that's still the, a controversy? A little bit and that's based upon the technical um, components of a virus it's technically not even um dna it's it's a it's a half strand so instead of that double helix that you learned in your college biology class as the dna strand it's um it's it's a one strand and that's what rna is and that's what that is the uh, control center of a viral molecule yeah and what is rna it's like rna ribbon nucleic acid is that what it is Ribonucleic acid, yeah. Okay, you said that way better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, it's uh, like I said, it's it's kind of half of the the dioxyribose. So di means two, like from Greek and Latin roots, you you could uh, kind of determine that. And dioxy, the the dioxyribose nucleotide chain is the um, is the building block of life. That's what we call our DNA. Mm-hmm. 
RNA would be like splitting that um, double runged helix in half and just taking the left or the right half of that split ladder. Does that make sense? So that's what is the component of viral molecules is RNA, and that's why people say they're not really alive. But anyway, um, mm -hmm. one way to make a vaccine is to deaden that, uh, that viral molecule so that um, it can be more easily fought against when it's injected yeah. into the person. Then there's a third way, which is actually, we'll get into this a little bit later, but it's actually the, the, the um, primary method that's being used for the vaccines that are being rolled out okay. right now from Pfizer and Moderna. Mm -hmm. And it is an mRNA um, component. Okay. So basically what they've done with this is your body has different your body has different um, production houses in the mm -hmm. cells and they're called ribosomes and yeah, they, produce, they produce <laughs> proteins and ask any clarifying questions if you need. I, I was trying to uh, earlier I was planning this and writing out some things some analogies to use to make this easier for people who um, might not be as familiar with these types of terminologies. But they basically, this mRNA stands for messenger RNA, and typically in a healthy body, this mRNA is sent from the person's DNA or the cell's DNA, and they are sent to these ribosomes which make the proteins all over the cells in your body okay mm -hmm. so this mrna vaccine type basically hijacks all of your ribosomes in your entire body and weren't there studies like um, on animals with this vaccine too? yeah yeah i can get into that but okay. it hijacks the um the production of proteins in your body, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it gives it different information. So instead of making um, certain proteins that your body's used to making, if you have this mRNA vaccine, then all of your ribosomes, which are, again, the protein producers in your body, are being told to make this new protein. Yeah. So basically, they're replicating the entire virus throughout your body. To, and the goal is to help your body learn how to fight it off. Okay, so that's that's probably the most controversial aspect of this vaccine yeah. is the type of um, technology, medical technology that's been used in this particular thing that they're rolling out. Um, but to your point about the animal studies, animal studies, we've never. Um, so the vaccine was. I mean, it's it's been rolled out in less than nine months. Okay. So that's a huge um, red flag. Yeah, for and I think that's many people in the medical yeah, industry. and me, like a layperson who I can't speak the language you're speaking as much uh, that well right now. Like I don't know the information that you know. I think most people probably don't know what you're starting to get into. And uh, I guess just my concern, and like most people's concern, as you said, it's just the timing of this. Well, I just don't know, so, know if I trust anything that is developed this quickly. 
Right. You know, that's sort of the big concern. I'm not saying that, you know, a couple years from now, they, they might have something great. You know what I mean? And who knows, maybe this will turn out to be better, but there are very valid concerns. Right. And so one of the concerns that this study brought up that I was reading, um, it's, we're going to put a, a link to this video in our description yeah, we'll put that all in of the this episode. Yeah. But um, it's from Dr. Lee Merritt, and she was actually a military uh, official in the medical field in our in our army for mm-hmm. for I think a decade. She's got a a, a bunch of um, reputable, yeah. credible sources. Yeah, she has like an uh, MD from the University of Rochester. I think mm-hmm. just it's just a. She's involved in an MD it. who knows her stuff. She's involved in the Doctors and Surgeons Association of America. Like this is not just some peewee person who's a conspiracy theorist. So uh, let me let me make that clear first off, okay? Um, she cites three different animal vaccine studies that have been done in the past year, year and a half, and these were done on SARS vaccine, I mean SARS virus, which is very similar to COVID, the COVID virus. It's actually molecularly, it's the most similar that we've seen naturally occurring so far. And all of the animals involved in these studies, all three different types of animals and every animal that this was done to actually died from these studies. And and, um, these these, uh, vaccine manufacturers would really not want the common the common lay person to know about these studies, but I'm about to tell you guys. So going back to the third type of vaccine technology that's, that has been used, the messenger, uh, the messenger RNA, um, that's the type that was tried on these animal vaccines, uh, these animal tr- clinical trials, mm-hmm. and they... Um, they got the vaccine and they did fine, okay. you know, the first couple months they're fine. But then when they were first exposed to the actual virus, their bodies had made so much of that protein that was first introduced to them, um, because it had hijacked the ribosomes and now it was making those proteins that the body, their body couldn't distinguish. There were already so many proteins floating around in their cells mm-hmm. they couldn't distinguish when there was a foreign protein which was the actual virus being introduced to them so they died from what's called an antibody dependent enhancement reaction which, which is something is we just learned what that was too right we just learned about this yeah. earlier and it, it, it's basically what um what happens when your body doesn't recognize quickly enough that there's a foreign invader and so it just it just runs on full speed to try and get at what it can yeah but it ends up attacking its own cells oh interesting its own cells because that is terrifying those proteins have been producing throughout the body all the all this time and the memory b and t cells which is part of your natural immunological response um didn't have enough time to see the distinction between the foreign cells and the cells that have already been producing those proteins. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm tracking with you. Yeah. All right. So basically this virus 
entered the defense system as a Trojan horse of types because it looked like a good cell. Mm. And so these animals, like I already mentioned, um, suffered a delayed death from getting this vaccine. So they got the vaccine about two months earlier, and then they were first exposed to the actual virus, and they died in this antibody-dependent enhancement reaction. So um, there's actually been no animal studies, animal clinical studies, or human clinical studies, at least in America, up to this date, that um, prove a, a, a type of, um, that, that there's a type of safety with this. Okay. Like, we don't really know. Even the clinical trials that were done on humans with this COVID vaccine in, uh, in 2020 were not, the, those, the people involved in those trials were not monitored up to more than two months after the trial. Wow. So they could also be having this delayed response um, and no one would know it. So, no one would be reporting it. Or maybe the, the, the vaccines in, at the speed that they have been developed, do you think it's just very political then? Is that why we have these right now? Um, so I'm going to give you the perspective of Dr. Lee Merritt here. She defines this COVID phenomenon as biological warfare. Oh, okay. And she says, like you said earlier, she that, said, yeah. I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm pretty positive that this is a manufactured thing. Yeah. Because of a, a number of different factors that make it different than a typical va- virus. Yeah, and I don't, yeah, like Aaron and I talked before the podcast. We don't know if the, like, oh, like I said, like, we don't know if this was released intentionally into the populace of Wuhan or if it was just, um, like an accidental or was intentional we don't we don't know that we don't know the specifics of that and there there really isn't much proof on either uh on on uh basically arguing for that it was intentional there's not necessarily proof for that but there is reason to believe it obviously with the ccp the chinese communist party right i agree um and and so does dr Merritt, and she says that the reason that she thinks it's biological warfare is because of the um, nature of it. Is it no? Is the, it is, the, well, the fact that no virus in human history has been able to withstand all climates of the globe, all seasons, everything that, that we've seen this virus withstand. Yeah, and I actually have a friend who um, I met him this past summer. He's from he's a he's a writer from Egypt. Mm-hmm. He lived in um, Europe for a while, uh, Lithuania, and he this guy's a brilliant writer and he told me over the summer that yeah he thinks this is manufactured because of those reasons because you know it's surviving in climates like uh, south asia uh, uh asia uh europe north everywhere north america south america we've never seen a virus that can survive in these climates and it's very right. alarming yeah so another reason she gives is because it is the coronavirus by itself so we've got a strain of coronavirus right Mm-hmm. COVID, the COVID pandemic is COVID-19. That's the strain that's been introduced. We've never seen this naturally occurring up to up to before 2020. Um, and this strain is more harmful. So naturally occurring coronavirus is actually very transmissible. Okay. 
and it's what gives you and it's what gives you the um, common cold. So, in order to have a weapon that can be used against massive populations, from our, from an enemy's perspective, and again, Dr. Merritt was in the military, so she's definitely <coughs> thinking through those types of lenses. Um, is to have something extremely transmissible that you can modify to make more fatal. Hmm. And that's what seems to have happened with the coronavirus. Okay. Um, they took coronavirus, the coronavirus itself, and they added a protein onto it, which you might, she calls the warhead. And this protein is called the spike protein. You guys have probably seen it all over the CDC website. Oh, yeah, you've definitely seen it. It looks yeah. like uh, 3D firework or something. And this protein on the head of the coronavirus latches onto ACE, your ACE2 pathways, which humans have in their heart, in their brain, in their lungs. Um, the most common entryway, of course, is your lungs. That's why we've heard all these res respiratory issues and pneumonia and different side effects that, that can come from the COVID-19 strain. And these can actually kill you. So when it first came out, as happens with most viruses, the first generation was definitely more deadly because it had not infected um, many hosts yet. Okay. So when it was in Wuhan, when it was in um, hmm. uh, Seattle, when it was in New York for the first time, we're talking early, early uh, January, mid-February, those types yeah. of things, those cases were actually much more fatal because what happens with the virus is if it wants to replicate itself it can't kill every host that it embodies right yeah so the so, more it goes through a populace the weaker it gets exactly yeah. it becomes more transmissible and less fatal so that's what we've seen with these next generations that we're going to talk yeah about. so the effects going to be like different so if i got it in march there's a good chance i could have died maybe that's or, yeah. That's what the the science is leading us to sure. believe. Yes. And now it's just a really horrible cold, basically. Right. What I had, yeah. Right. But another factor that she brings up, which I think is actually very interesting, I haven't I've, I haven't heard many medical um, personnel uh, bringing up these types of issues. She says even if it wasn't created intentionally, which yeah. again she can't prove. Um, They've used it, whoever's behind this has used it to take down the American economy by implementing mask mandates, shutting down businesses, just taking away general little people's freedom in general. Yeah. And it has had devastating effects on the global economy as well. Yeah. So whoever's behind this, even if it was let out accidentally, has definitely taken advantage of the fear factor, yeah. which she gets into and she says this is a psychological phenomenon that is often employed in biological warfare to render a populace almost helpless and defenseless against just an idea. So she gives an example of the Cold War okay. of how Americans and Russians alike, the civilians of those different countries, were helpless against the thought of an invasion the thought of a nuclear war mm -hmm. that type of thing and it led them to make certain choices and do certain things that a population who did not have that fear factor wouldn't be faced with yeah 
And I guess that's why the whole fear factor thing, I think you definitely see this in the political climate in America, where people who are kind of coronavirus skeptics, you can say, usually are on the right. And mm-hmm. those who are more timid and fearful of the virus are usually on the left. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a political thing, for sure. Yeah, I agree completely. And um, she actually says she's been taking these these times because she's she works as a surgeon now she's an orthopedic surgeon so that means she deals with bones broken bones um degenerative bone disease things of this nature and doctors like her were actually just out of work because no one was scheduling surgeries you know there you know only essential businesses were open so so only the people who were in the er basically yeah. operating much i heard yeah i heard that's actually gonna be one effect of the virus that like a year from now we're gonna see a big cancer uh a big rise in cancer because mm-hmm. people's appointments were canceled for months and months and yeah, yeah it's just gonna show up because no one was in the hospital right so. and she kind of says that because she couldn't go into work what she did and what she realizes a lot of other medical personnel did mm-hmm. is they studied okay, this is a new strain. How, how do we defeat it? Yeah. How are we going to get in front of this? How do we um, make people informed about how sure. to stay healthy during this time? And what she found was since the 1970s, and again, you guys can look this up. I mean, this is a reputable uh, doctor discussing these things. They have had a treatment for vaccines. Now, we don't know if it works on every virus. Um, uh, sorry, not, vac- not vaccines. <laughs> They've had a treatment against viruses. We don't know if it works on every virus, but the treatment is a, it's an antimicrobial type of treatment, and it's called lysomic tropic agents. And it's very complicated the way that it works, but if you guys remember hydroxychloroquine and the stuff that was said about that, it, that is an example of this type of treatment. And um, the, according to her research, they've had yeah. these this capability of treatment since the 70s. Whoa. Um, so then she asks the question, which we're all wondering now, is why would you hide the treatment? Well, when your vaccine manufacturing business loses billions of dollars. Well, do you have a number on if that? If you have a treatment. Exactly. I Never. think it is a, a billion. It's something nuts. Though. Sixty-nine billion. Yeah, it's something. Said. It's like something like sixty billion or seventy billion. Yeah, and then number two, if this really is a biological warfare weapon, then if you have if if your target has the treatment in their back pocket, then you can't do anything against mm. them. Like, the game's over before it even starts. Yeah, this is the whole complex where um, you know college is so expensive because they know people have to pay for it. Medical expenses are so much money because they know people have to pay for it. The coronavirus vaccine is going to be so much money because they know people have to pay for it. And they know people will pay for it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think one of the more concerning uh, things that she discussed in this video is she has... She's seen videos. She knows people who have... um, Who have reported on cases of actually encountering PLA personnel working in Moderna and Pfizer manufacturing companies. Now, the PLA stands for the People's Liberation Army. 
and that is in that is obviously located in China but it's like it begs the question why are these people over here like aren't they our enemies aren't they the ones who possibly let this let this um, go unnoticed un, unalarmed before mm -hmm. they let it out to the world why, why are they working in our vaccine manufacturing companies that is a little bit um, disconcerting from my point of view of and I think we should make sure that we're informed on these things before we just go and take the vaccine because there's there's a concern at least from this doctor's perspective that some of these people have um, added things into the vaccine that would make it even more fatal if the Chinese let forth another another biological warfare okay. weapon in, in, in the next few months or the next few years. Which is a fear of people's, I guess. I mean, well, it's biological a, warfare. It's a biological warfare. It's an aspect of biological warfare. You give them, like, the first dose, and then you you tell them that there's a treatment, they all get the treatment, and then you give them the second yeah, dose. Yeah, especially, I guess, just there's so much political climate, too, with China. as kind of, we're, kind of, we're sort of in an economic cold war, and as you said... Uh, good chance that we're in a, um, uh, I mean, a war over biology now. Yeah, yep. And so I, I'll just end the discussion on this note. There is a debate between Dorshowitz and Robert Kennedy Jr. Um, it came out in July of 2020. Okay. And I have watched the debate twice. It's very entertaining. It's very educational. These men are brilliant. They're both lawyers. They've both been in this, um, in the medical world, in respects to how it it affects their clients. So Robert Kennedy Jr. has worked on behalf of people who are trying to sue vaccine companies for negligence mm -hmm. in the productions that they rolled out. And and this is pre COVID nineteen. He's been doing this right exactly. Yeah. And one thing that he pointed out that I think is just really important for people to understand is that these vaccine manufacturing companies like Moderna and Pfizer, first of all, they have no uh, accountability to the common man. And that was, that's a result of U.S. Code 42 300AA-22 called Standards of Responsibility. And this was passed in 1988. So I'm just going to read one of the first clauses of this. No vaccine manufacturer shall be liable in a civil action for damages arising from a vaccine-related injury or death associated with the administration of a vaccine after October 1st, 1988, if the injury or death resulted from side effects that were unavoidable, even though the vaccine was properly prepared and was accompanied by proper directions and warnings. So that seems pretty pretty normal. You can't you can't bring a, a suit against us if we told you everything that was going to happen is, is is happening. But then at the end here, they sneak in a direct warning under Section C: No vaccine manufacturer shall be liable in a civil action for damages arising from a vaccine-related injury or death associated with the administration of a vaccine after October first, nineteen eighty-eight solely due to the manufacturer's failure to provide direct warnings to the injured party. Hmm. So there they're saying, even if they didn't tell you that, that they had these adverse side effects, 
you can't sue them. Yeah, that's pretty scary. And the reason they opted for this bill is because uh, the vaccine manufacturers are saying, hey, we have a liability rate of one out of 300 people dying from a brain disease. This was back in 1988 from this type of product that we're, we're putting out and we are losing incentive. So give us carte blanche, which basically means we will not be accountable to being able to be sued. So that should give all of us a little bit of a pause because these are the same companies that people are supposedly rushing to um, to thank them for putting out this product so quickly. Well, well, hold on, you know, pause, take a break, take a second, and let's let's be informed before we make this decision. Now, I'm not saying don't get the vaccine. I'm saying you have the right as American people to make the choice. Mm-hmm. No matter what people are saying, it, it's not a matter of love your neighbor, immunize, you know, herd immunity. They've already changed the definition of that anyway. Yeah, you have the First Amendment, and I believe you have the Fifth Amendment, which is the right to privacy. Exactly. To deny this if it becomes mandated, like exactly. requirement from the federal exactly. government. Exactly. And so I would just encourage all of you to do your research. Um, do something. I, I, I heard that in Scandinavia, it's becoming a social norm if something is flagged on social media or something that um, people believe that instead of instead of what's actually not being flagged that's crazy and you would hate you hate to be have to be that skeptical but with the way that our our, our government is going right now it's getting to the point where we need to stand up and say hey why is this being censored what right do you have to do that isn't this barring on our free speech yeah what's that famous thing in the soviet union where if someone said truth they everyone knew it was a lie (laughs) you know what i'm talking about that's a, that's a, there was some word that everyone used in the Soviet Union for truth, and everyone knew that when someone said that word, they meant the opposite. The opposite was true. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a, a situation like that. So, so do your research. Maybe look twice at those articles that come up on your social media that are censored, um, because these people know what they're talking about. A lot of these people have been silenced and they are educated and they are they are going against the so-called experts but it doesn't mean that they don't have um reliable sources and reasons for why they're saying what they're saying so be informed and um make your decision as as an american all right so now we're going to move on to the fun little the part. fun part after yeah. all of that Doom and gloom. Sorry, guys. <laughs> We're going to move on to uh, a movie review. So yes. this is our first one. We've never done this before. We'll yeah. see how it is. This is so spontaneous. Yeah. Um, this past uh, weekend, well, yeah, last night we watched the movie called The Dig. It's a Netflix original that's based in the late 1930s about a um, basically an archaeological dig that took place in England or Scotland. Was it England? It was England, yeah. Okay. So it, it's um, it's a historically accurate dramatization of the excavation of Sutton Hoo, which you know, a Viking like ship. a weird name. It's not a Viking oh, it's ship. Not it's not a actually Anglo Saxons, okay. older than Vikings. It was actually probably mm. dated around the 600s. Okay. And um, it just kind of tells the story of the woman and her son who had this large estate and on their property there were big mounds mm-hmm. and they looked like burial mounds and they hired, and she hired some his, his name was mr brown he was a local 
uh, excavator. Mm -hmm. And he excavated their property because they had this inkling that there was something on the property. Well, but he was a self-taught archaeologist. So there's scenes where people from the British Museum are coming in and be like, oh, yes, let the experts take care of it. Yeah, and it is so cool. Like, this guy is a stud. He does his research. He's brilliant. You can see he works in his library and he's comparing uh, things to how they excavated... Um, one of the ancient uh, pharaohs. Yeah, tombs. King Tut. Yeah, King Tut's uh, tomb. So this dude's self-taught, self-educated. And the interesting thing about the setting of this movie is, I, I mean, and this is part of the true story of it too, it was kind of expedited because it was at the brink of World War II. The dawn of the war, yeah. Yeah, so there are um, beautiful scenes where they're digging and... Um, flocks of RAF, Royal Air Force um, planes are flying overhead doing their training for in preparation for the Battle of Britain that would happen in the summer of 1940. And so, yeah, we just thought this was a heartwarming film. Yeah. It was historically accurate uh -huh. to a very large degree. There's a couple of um, odd scenes, but there's no sex scenes. There's no... Um, yeah, there, there's nothing just, too alarming. I think that there's one there's one sensual it. scene, but it, it's not the. I mean, it's rated PG thirteen, definitely, and the movie is too. So we would just encourage you guys to go check it out. If yeah, you, you should have a if you have a second, if you have a night, just want to <laughs> hear some here's a heartwarming tale. Yeah, get involved in in a sweet story sure this, is, it, this yeah. is a really great it's only option. like it's only two hours long and if you have a netflix account it's free on netflix right so. uh it was originally done by netflix mm -hmm. and i think partly because of the covid pandemic whatever they're they're um not releasing it in theaters really as quickly as they have on netflix so you can just get it for free on netflix you don't have to go buy it you know as you would a, a movie theater show. Sure. So. Yeah, anyway, it's great. I think you should check it out. I'm not even a huge movie guy, and I really appreciate the so film. The director is Simon Stone, if you guys were wondering. Yeah. All right, anyway, this has been a great podcast. Um, we're happy that we were able to talk about that stock market stuff, our experience with COVID, a lot of the concerns with the vaccine, and the cool movie we shared with you guys. And again, we'll be putting the links to the videos and the articles that we discussed in the description of this episode. So thanks for listening. Have a All great right. night. Take care.